Every time we come to Mass, we, as we grow in journey together, we're going to see that the first reading is always fulfilled in the Gospel. So the church, in her infinite wisdom of being around for 2,000 years, being the mystical body of Christ, always wanted us to look for what is being fulfilled in the first reading and the Gospel. And since you are all amazing theologians, we're not going to talk about that today. All right, you can do that. That's your homework for today. But what I'd like to talk about is our second reading in particular, uh, but also in the saint who we celebrate today, who is St. Teresa of Calcutta, because the saints, they bring the gospel to life for us because we know that, that Jesus wants to live through his mystical body. St. James, a letter of St. James, he asks us a question, and I want you to even just like review your own life, how you treat other people. And we're going to compare that how Mother Teresa, St. Teresa of Calcutta, treated other people, how she's prompting us to be who God created us to be. So, St. James says, show no partiality. That's like really, really hard. Just those, those three words. He says, show no partiality, which means treat everybody the same. Really, really hard thing to do. As you adhere to the faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. So he asks, he says this as, a, as, a, as a, um, an example. He says, for if a man with gold rings and fine clothes comes into your assembly... So you can imagine what that might look like today. Someone who looks like they got it all together. They got the right earrings, the girl, the right hair, look perfectly put together, right? The right shoes. They got the Birkenstocks or whatever people wear today. And then you have a guy, you know, he comes in. He's, 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 he's looking really good. He's got his hair cut properly. Um, he looks like he has the right shoes on. He's actually wearing a belt. He has a shirt tucked in. Holy gosh, could you imagine? And then there's also a, a poor person. Someone who has shabby clothes also comes in. But your attention is drawn to all this earthliness, all this looking like you have it put together, but you're looking only at the exterior. And Jesus asks us and he encourages us through his Holy Spirit to look deeper than what you physically see. I think we've seen enough judgment in our world today by how we physically look, but I think there's an invitation to look at, to look deeper, to look past what we physically see. And if you only look at the person wearing the fine clothes or the person who has the right cologne on or the right cell phone or whatever it is, they say, hey, come sit by me because you might be special. Um, when you say to the poor one, stand there, sit at my feet. It says, have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil designs? St. James says, listen, my beloved brothers and sisters. And we know that the word listen has the same exact letters as the word silent, Right? So we got to listen. So did God not choose those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom that he promised to those who love him? Did God not choose those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom that he promised to those who love him? And again, why do we love Jesus? We hear in the first epistle of John because he first loved us. Saddest reality in the world is that most people just don't know how much Jesus loves them. And, and not just that, but they've never encountered him. They've never met him. I encounter so many people, and it breaks my heart, that simply do not know Jesus. When I say no, K-N-O-W, they've never had an encounter where they realize, oh my gosh, he's present in the Eucharist. Oh my gosh, he's speaking to me in his word. Oh my gosh, I, I, I experienced Jesus through this person. There's nothing and that's one of the saddest realities because when you and I come to know that Jesus loves us, it just transforms everything we do. 
That's why we've been putting so much work into this place. For those of you who are returners, you've probably seen some changes happen here. Um, why? It's because we want you to know that you're loved. And if we do anything that doesn't allow you to know you're loved, I consider what we do here an absolute failure. But we have to encounter that love of Jesus, and it impels us to do something, to live different lives. But it, it impels us to live lives that are other-focused, not self-focused. Um, for those of you who have been here before, you know I love mugs. This is my Mother Teresa um, mug, and it's got like super, super crazy amounts of, of quotes on it. But one quote I want us to focus on today that Mother Teresa said, she said, a life lived for others is not a life. A life not lived for others is not a life. So what does that mean? That means when you and I live lives focused on ourselves, I, I got to do me, you do you, and I'll do me, which I think is one of the most demonic statements ever said because it's not, it's not the Christian heart speaking through the, through the man or the woman. Uh, it means that you and I are called to live for others. So what that looks like, and I saw it yesterday. I want to share this image with you is what it looks like. Um, yesterday I was with my nephews and my brother and sister-in-law. They're sitting in the back row. Um, Nathan, Silas, Amelia, and Abel. And we were at the baseball game. There was, I don't know if you've been to a baseball game, but we were at the, the Tim Brattler's game in Appleton. And as we were sitting um, on the third base side, you can imagine where that is if you've been there for. But every time there'd be an out, a third out after an inning, the guys would come into our side and they'd throw a ball to somebody sitting in the front row, right? And there's this little boy who's about 12 years old, I'm guessing, maybe 10, 11, 12 years old. And he got one and he walked around our section of seats and looked for someone to give the ball to. And he gave it to my nephew, Abel. And I think that's kind of what it looks like when people are like, oh, I could have it myself, or I could think, who else might want this? That's what it looks like. And Mother Teresa, she knew that. And it adapts her soul. She lived a life totally for others. But what broke her heart is that she says that a lot of us have never encountered Jesus. So for someone who's, say, been to a baseball game and they've had, say, a ball given to them by somebody else, that's probably why they go out and give it to somebody else. So I'm just going to read to you a little bit about what Mother Teresa, St. Teresa of Calcutta, says. Because she has that same fear I have that a lot of people just don't know the love of Jesus. They've never encountered his love and that's why the world looks the way it does. That's why we prefer the people who look like they got it put together versus the people who are maybe a little more unattractive in our eyes. But in the eyes of heaven, they are so holy. They are so good. This is what mother says. She says, be careful of all that can block that personal contact with the living Jesus. The devil may try to use the hurts of life and often, sometimes our own mistakes to make you feel that it is impossible that Jesus really loves you, is really cleaving to you. This is a danger for all of us and so sad because it is completely opposite of what Jesus is really wanting, wanting to tell you not only that he loves you, but even more, he longs for you. He misses you when you don't come close. He thirsts for you. He loves you always, even when you don't feel worthy. When not accepted by others, even by yourself sometimes, he is the one who always accepts you. 
My children, you don't have to be different for Jesus to love you. Only believe. You are precious to him. Bring all your sufferings to his feet. Only open your heart to be loved by him. As you are, he will do the rest. In every chapel for the missionaries of charity that mother founded, other words, I thirst. That summarizes her whole mission. But she believed those words were living. They were living. They were alive. And she says, do you believe it? If so, you will hear. You will feel his presence. Let it become as intimate for each of you, just as for mother. This is the greatest joy you could give me. Mother Teresa says, I will try to help you understand, but Jesus himself must be the one to say to you, I thirst. She says, hear your own name. Not just once, but every day. If you listen with your heart, you will hear and you will understand. So what I'd like us to do is just pause for a moment. And I'm going to say the words, I thirst. And I want you just to listen for your name. I thirst for, and listen for your name. I thirst for. Why does Jesus say, I thirst? What does it mean? Mother says something so hard to explain in words If you remember anything from mother's letter, remember this, it's I thirst. It's something much deeper than Jesus saying, I love you. Until you know deep inside that Jesus thirsts for you, you can't begin to know who he wants to be for you or who he wants you to be for him. Our lady was the first person to hear Jesus cry, I I thirst, when she was with St. John and Mary Magdalene at the foot of the cross. Because Our Lady was there on Calvary, she knows how real, how deep his longing is for you and for the poor. Do we know, Mother says, do we feel as she? Ask her to teach. Her role, that is the Blessed Mother, her role is to bring you face to face with the love of the heart of Jesus Christ crucified. Before it was Our Lady pleading with Mother, now it is Mother in her name pleading with you. Listen to Jesus' thirst. Let it be for each a word of life. Just lastly, Mother says, how do we approach the thirst of Jesus? Only one secret. The closer you come to Jesus, the better you will come to know his thirst. Repent and believe, Jesus says. What are we to repent of? Our second reading today. Listen to this. It says, our indifference, our hardness of heart. What are we to believe? That Jesus thirsts even now in your heart and in the poor. He knows our weakness. He wants only for love. Wants only the chance to love you. He wants only your love. He wants only the chance to love you.
Will you give Jesus that chance? Last thing I want to share with you, maybe a way to apply the, the reading, second reading today, is what Mother Teresa lived so well, what she called the five-finger gospel, which I've taught to some of you before. But she embodied Matthew 25, which Jesus says, when I was thirsty, did you give me drink? When I was hungry, did you give me food? And Jesus goes through that whole litany, and he says, that you do unto least of mine, you do it to me. Five fingers, right? So maybe you could try that right now. You can take your hand and put it in the palm. And then you go, you do it to me. What does that mean? That means how you and I treat other people is how we're treating Jesus. The person you love the least is how much you love Jesus. Ouch, right? But when you begin to look past how people physically look, and you try to see them in the lens of how God sees you and how he loves you, everything changes. So it's very simple. It's very simple. Our world makes it complicated. Jesus chose the poor. And when we hear in the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit, that doesn't mean they don't have physical things or whatever. What that means is that they, they know that they only need Jesus. Nothing else compares to the love of Jesus. So we take a moment of silence and just, again, listen for his name when he says, I thirst for. That's how much he loves you. And then he says, because I love you, now go do the same for others, right? You do it to me. God chose the poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom. We take a moment of silence to give thanks and praise to God for dying for us on the cross, for offering us new life, and for Mother Teresa, a witness of his love and mercy in all things. St. Teresa of Calcutta, pray pray for us. us.